Right, so we're in Genesis chapter 30, and uh, just a little reminder of where we left off last week. Last week we kind of left off with the debate about whether Jacob married Leah and Rachel right away or after seven years. Now, uh, I know Brother Austin did some study, and anybody like look it up and like come to any conclusions. How many think that he uh, married Rachel right away? All right, how, all right we, we got a few hands. How many think he married her after seven years? All right, we got some hands. All right, all of you that agree, believe that, you're all kicked out of the church. Uh, this, this is a deal breaker, you know. Uh, obviously, one way or other doesn't really change anything. But I'm going to show you too, though. Again, I do believe that he married her right away. And I think I have an explanation uh, for the verse that makes it look like it took seven years before he married her. Um, and, and again, either way, it's not that important. But if we want to argue about it after church, I'm all for it. I think this is something we can argue about and not agree on. And it shouldn't have any significant problems in our doctrine. But anyway, uh, so uh, at this point in the story where we're at in chapter 30, remember, Leah already has four children. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. She's already had four children. And we know that she did not have any children until he was married to Rachel, too. Because when God saw that you know Rachel was loved and Leah was hated, that God opened her womb. So uh, there's, a, there's a reason for that. And so I, I believe they were married. Uh, he was married to Rachel right away. But anyway, let's go ahead and start reading verse 1. <clears throat> and it says, And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister, and said unto Jacob, Give me children, or else I die. And uh, notice, this is just a reminder, multiple wives, it was always a bad thing. It was always a bad thing. Okay, Women already struggle with jealousy as it is. All right, is. Let's just go ahead and just put this out there. All right, We were talking about high-risk uh, groups for certain sins. When it comes to envy and jealousy, women, you are at far greater risk than men. Men struggle with it too, but women are worse. Okay, women are more likely to lose their mind going on looking at Facebook and seeing other people's happiness. Okay, women get more upset at other people's happiness and success than men do. You know, men, if we see something good happen to somebody else, hey, good for you. You know, women, yeah, you know. You know, and then they come up with some excuse for why that you know good thing happened to them. Okay, and you all know I'm right. All right, it's it's a female thing, and it's bad. Okay, it's a bad thing, and so you know, so here you got a situation where it's already going to be tough for a woman, especially back then, to be barren. But it's especially tough when your husband has another wife, and she's having kids like crazy. That would be tough. I mean, here she is, no children. Hey, back in that day, what else did they have to do besides, you know, raise children? She doesn't get to watch soap operas like the women can today. She doesn't get to go out and, you know, get, do a career like women do today. She has nothing. And then here she's seeing her sister enjoying her four children. That would be hard for a woman, especially when your husband has another wife. Now, it's just, it's unnatural. It's not right. And it was especially bad because it was her sister. We see in Leviticus 18.18, 18, it says, Neither shalt thou take a wife to her sister to vex her, to uncover her nakedness, besides the other in her lifetime. Okay? When God, now, this came later, but when God has given that law, and if you were going to take another wife, you were not allowed to take the sister of your current wife. 
And now why is that? Well, I think part of it is because, you know, it's pretty natural to hate the other woman. Okay? I mean, doesn't that make sense? You know, women tend to want the man for themselves. And that's normal. And you tend to hate the other woman if there is one. But then what do you do when that other woman is your sister that you just naturally love? That's just especially tough. And that's just a horrible thing to do to your wife. And so when God is given these laws here, I don't think this is God saying it's okay to have multiple wives, but he's putting a law restricting bad behavior that was going on and telling them no marrying sisters, not in their lifetime. Okay, Now, if one dies, you know, and then you marry a sister later, that's, that's okay, but not in her lifetime, not while she's living. You can't do that. So in verse 2, this is after her, she's saying, give me children else I die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I in God's stead? Who hath withheld from thee the fruit of thy womb? Now, this is another common problem in marriages, too, where women get mad at the husband for things that are just beyond his control. You know, women do that all the time. You know, why is it raining today? I can't believe it's raining. We were supposed to. What am I supposed to do about that? You know, I'm not God. You know, uh, you know my trip to this place is going to get canceled. I didn't get yelled at for that. My wife, one of my wife's trips got canceled. She didn't yell at me for it. But it sounds like something she'd yell at me for, but she didn't. Uh, but, you know, has any husband besides me ever got yelled at for just something bad that happened that was completely out of your control? And then it's like, why am I getting chewed out? Okay? You all look like you know what I'm talking about. You know, and then they give you the classic, well, I just needed to vent. I was just venting. Well, it hurt. Uh, you know, you, you were yelling at me. You looked really mad. Uh, I, I hope I'm not the only one that ever deals with these things. But that's what she's pretty much doing here. Jacob's like, hey, I did it. I've done it on my part. You know, it's not my fault. I'm not the one that does this. And she said, behold, my maid Bilhah, go in unto her, and she shall bear upon my knees that I may also have children by her. And she gave him Bilhah, her handmaid to wife. And Jacob went in unto her, and Bilhah conceived and bare Jacob a son. Now, you might say this seems really weird, but really it's not you know, what's weird is just kind of the method that was used because there's a lot of women out there who cannot have kids and often they'll find some woman that's going to wants to give up her kid for adoption and they will, that's going to be their child. And they will often be there with the woman through the pregnancy. They'll be there for the delivery the whole time knowing this is going to be my child. And then they adopt it. Now, back then... You know, they didn't have a situation where they could go find a woman like that. You know, they didn't have, uh, you know, an orphanage where they could go and find an orphan to adopt or anything like that. And so there, so this is pretty natural to if you just can't have children yourself, if you could have like a surrogate or just have a child that at least that you could love and raise and, you know, and it would, it can call you mommy and all those things. That is very fulfilling for a lot of women who are not physically able to have children. So this wasn't a super unnatural thing. I mean, I think it was wrong for her to do this, but I think, you know, the you know, the reason that she did this is pretty normal and not really that foreign. And said, I'm not a woman, but you know, I can understand and there's a lot of women out there that just can't have kids and they will. They'll pay a lot of money a lot of times they'll, you know, they'll tell some woman that's pregnant, you know, we'll pay all your bills, we'll take care of it, we'll do all these things, you know, if you'll just let me adopt that baby when it's born. That's how bad they want that child, and that child's born, and then they raise it just like their their own, and they love it just like any other mom 
would love their baby. So I don't think this is really that weird. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't think it was the way to go. But anyway, in verse 6, Rachel said, God hath judged me and hath also heard my voice and hath given me a son. Therefore, called she his name Dan. Now, that's interesting because Rachel sees this as an answer to prayer. Is That's how she sees this. I don't personally think it was. I think this is kind of like, you know, Abraham or Sarah's answer to prayer when Abraham had Ishmael with Hagar. That, that wasn't a miracle. That wasn't a miracle of God. That was a, a child of the flesh and not a promise like Isaac was. So I don't think this is any, I don't think this is a great answer to prayer here. And what's interesting is her son, Bill, his son, Dan, okay, this is the first child that was born through one of the handmaids that uh, they, that they had. And this son, Dan, all right, we don't know a whole lot about him. The Bible says very little about Dan or even the tribe of Dan. He's usually just mentioned when it's going through the genealogies and when it's naming off the tribes. But the individual we don't know much about, the tribe we really don't know much about. But here's just a couple of interesting facts about Dan. In Genesis 49, 17, says, Dan shall be a serpent, by the way, an adder in the path, that bideth the horse heels, so that his rider shall fall backward. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Now, this is just my opinion. This is another thing you can argue with me about and disagree, and I won't get mad at you, but it's my opinion that Dan was not saved. It was Dan. Dan is one of the tribes that are not mentioned when the Bible talks about the 144,000 in the book of Revelation. It mentions Joseph and Manasseh, I believe. And it doesn't mention Ephraim and uh, Dan. I might be getting Ephraim and Manasseh mixed up. But Dan's definitely not mentioned when it's talking about the 12,000 from each tribe. What happened to the tribe of Dan? I don't know. I don't know. The Bible doesn't really say much about him. But it's just kind of my opinion that, you know, Dan was a problem tribe. They're not mentioned in the 144,000 book of Revelation. And Dan was the first one of these children that was had... You know, by the handmaids, just kind of at their own will. I don't think this is the way to go or something that God wanted them to do. So I don't think it's a coincidence that he's the first child that was born this way. Same way, same thing Abraham did with Hagar and Ishmael. You know, and I, I don't know, it's just, it's just my opinion. It's speculation. So take it for what it's worth. But look at verse 7. It says, And, Rachel, and Bilhah, Rachel's maid, conceived again and bare Jacob a second son. And Rachel said, With great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. And she called his name Naphtali. So this is a competition they got going on. But I don't really see how she's prevailing, because unless she thinks she's catching up. Because Leah has left bearing. We see that at the end of chapter 29. And so now Rachel's having kids through Bilhah again. So you know she probably feels like the attention's coming her way. But again, it's not even her. You know, It's her handmaid. And so she makes it a competition. Why? Because women make it a competition. Oh, you're going to show how happy your life is on Facebook? Well, watch how happy my life is. All right, kids, smile for this picture. Look like a happy family. All right? Isn't that what women do? So now it's on. Oh, okay. So Rachel's made this a competition now? All right, so that's four to two, but she's using her handmade. Well, guess what, Rachel? I got a handmade too. And I'm going to start, I'm going to start having children through her. And then let's see what happens. All right? Because we're keeping score now. 
It's four to two. Okay, is, is pretty much what's going on. And so it says, uh, when Leah saw that she had left bearing, she took Zilpah her maid and gave her J- Jacob to wife. And Zilpah Leah's maid bare Jacob a son. And Leah said, a troop cometh. And she called his name Gad. And Zilpah Leah's maid bare Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. So now it's six to two. Leah's in the lead. Six to two. So now when it comes to the timeline... There very well could have been some overlap here. Right? I don't. I'm not going to go as far as saying, you know, Leah had four children, and when we're doing the timeline, we'll look at this a little more later. And then Bilhah had two children, and then Zilpha had two children. Meaning, you know, we have eight children born, you know, before we get to this time when Jacob's ready to leave. Uh, there could have been some overlap there, uh, but but either way, Leah's had four children and has left bearing. For at least enough time for Zilpha to have one child. So she gets pregnant after a period of time has passed where, Zil- or where Leah's like, I'm not having children. And after she has the one child, enough time passes where Zilpha gets pregnant again. And then sometime after that pregnancy, Leah could have gotten pregnant again. Okay, There could be some overlap there. So I'm just showing how we can keep this timeline as tight as possible and show there's no way it could all happen in seven years. And I'm just doing that to prove I'm right. Again, not because it has any major significance, all right? But it, and, th- and there's one other theory I'll get into for how it could have been, you know, it, another way you can maybe make a verse, make it mean it was seven years before he married Rachel. There is one way we could possibly do that uh, that, I'll, that I'll show you later. Remind me to do that in case I forget. But it says in verse 14, and Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them unto his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. Okay? Ra- Rachel's just a little selfish, I think. Okay? You know, and typically the good-looking ones are often more trouble because it's like they, I don't know if they feel more entitled to everything because they're good-looking, where the ugly ones, they kind of know their place a little better, so they're a little more submissive. And that's how it was with Leah. And I, and I hate, you know, I, I hate to say something like this, this cardinal, but uh, this was from uh, the great theologian Lou Costello. Um, he always would say, you know, I'd rather marry an ugly woman than a pretty woman. And then Bud would say, you know, why is that? And he would say, well, the pretty woman, she's liable to run off on you. He's like, well, an ugly woman can run off on you too. And he's like, yeah, but who cares? So uh, that's the way. But anyway, so that could be the difference there. You know, Rachel was able to say, you think you can do better than me? You know, where Leah was like, I know he can do better than me. So I think that's why Rachel was just kind of a battle axe sometimes. I shouldn't tell jokes like that, but I still think that's funny. But it says, and she said unto her, is, is it a small matter that thou hast taken my husband? And wouldst thou take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, Therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. And Jacob came out of the field in the evening, and Leah went out to meet him and said, Thou must come in unto me, for surely I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. And God hearkened unto Leah, and she conceived, and bare Jacob the fifth son. And Leah said, God hath given me my hire, because I have given my maiden to my husband, and she called his name Issachar. And Leah conceived again and bare Jacob the sixth son. 
And Leah said, God hath endued me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me, because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun. And afterwards she bare a daughter and heard, uh, and called her name Dinah. So notice, Leah's had seven children now before Rachel's had one. She's had seven children with a period of time where she was barren and had two children you know, through her handmaid. You can't get that in seven years. Okay? You just can't do it. There's no way to do that. So, uh, but, so here, here's the where it's possible. Okay? That it's possible that he did marry Leah right away. And then what? No, that, that wouldn't even work then. I just thought of something on that. So that doesn't even matter. I'll be wasting my time even explaining that to you. No, it couldn't happen. All right? He married, he married them both right away. I'm convinced of that. So Because Leah did not conceive until after Jacob was married to Leah, unless, okay, unless when Jacob was married to Leah, all right, after Jacob was married to Leah, let's say he married her right away, and when he's just not interested in her because he's just interested in Rachel, maybe that's what the Bible means when it says that, you know, Rachel was, or, you know, that Leah was hated or Rachel, and Rachel was loved more. Here he is currently married to Leah, but he's thinking about Rachel. And so God ends up, you know, opening up the womb. I don't know. That's possible, but I, either way, I think it's a stretch. All right. Either way, I think it's a stretch, but she did. She left bearing for enough time for two more children to be born. So you just can't, you can't cram it into seven years. So verse 22 says, and God remembered Rachel. And God hearkened to her and opened her womb. And I like how it says that God remembered Rachel. Okay, One, it's not that just that God like remembered her prayer, but it's just, you know, here she has been wanting a child all this time, and the Lord's just blessing Leah, blessing with the handmaids, and then here she is all alone. And so God finally gets to her. But it's a reminder, too, that, you know, when we pray, God hears our prayers right away. He just doesn't always get on it right away. But he eventually does something, doesn't he? He eventually, as long as he answers it eventually, he answers that prayer. And most of the time we just get so impatient. You know, we just get we get too impatient and we need to, whenever we pray for something, and it's okay to pray for something, we ought need to also, in our hearts, accept God's timing, whatever it's going to be. And you know, I'm thankful for that too because hey, we finally have that building we've been praying for for like a year. And did you know that when we prayed for it, it was our prayer that we would get it way back then, wasn't it? But we're seeing already that this timing is way better than the timing that we have. There's a lot of reasons that it has been very good that it has taken as long as it's taken for us to get it. Okay, so the thing is, God answered our prayers. We were praying a year ago, just not in our timing. But his timing ended up working out just fine, turning out to be better. I'm glad it's happened the way it's happened. I'm very thankful for that. And it's all not done yet. But you know what? God's moving. He's working. So he'll get it done. I'm confident of that. And so uh, I like how it says that God remembered her. God, God doesn't forget those prayers. It says that she conceived and bare a son and said, God hath taken away my reproach. Being barren used to be considered a reproach, but now our backward society considers it a blessing, doesn't it? You know, our, our way of life is so twisted, it's so backwards. I mean, it is considered a curse. Today, 
when people see a woman with a whole bunch of kids, they're like, oh, what's wrong with you? You know, they, you know, they pity them. I mean, ought, today, our country's so messed up, barren women often feel sorry for the woman with all the kids. That's how, that's how backwards we are. And, and we wonder why women are more medicated up than ever before. You know why? Because their thinking's backwards. You know, we wonder why there's this, all this, you know, depression and, and all these problems that women are having today. It's because we got everything backwards. It is not the way it's meant to be. It used to be a reproach, and, and it should be. I mean, children are a wonderful thing. If, you, if you're not able to have children, that is, that's a sad thing. That's a, that's, that is a tragedy. And, and I do. I, I feel bad when women aren't able to have children, and I understand it. After several years of not being able to have kids and going to doctors and find out there's nothing they can do, I understand when they go and they adopt. I get that. And I think it's sad how hard it is for some people to adopt. seems like it's almost impossible to adopt anybody unless you're a queer. And then it seems like they don't have any problems with it. But normal people have all kinds of problems adopting or being foster parents and things. I think it's, I think it's a sad thing, but it is, it's, it's a completely natural thing for a woman to want that child. And, you know, society today, they act like we are doing this to females by giving girls dolls and things like that. You know, my boys never expressed interest in playing with dolls, ever. My boys never, you know, I mean, you know, Kelly, I mean, she, she loves her dolls. She, you know, she hugs those things. She loves on those things. Already, as, as young as she is, my boys... They would get, you know, they get some stuffed animals and things. They were usually throwing around and beating them up and being rough with them. It, that's that's the difference. Okay, it's just it's in them to be that way, and women want to do that. They want to take care of children. They want to love kids, and they want those kids loved on them. You know, it's that whenever the kids too, when they're little, you know, if they need comfort, they usually run to mom, don't they? You know, when they want fun and action, they usually run to dad. That's just, that's the way it is. Folks, this is the way things were meant to be. And it is a good thing. It is a wonderful thing. And don't let society, just, you know, don't go giving your boy a doll to play with just, you know, in case he wants to be a girl someday. You know, even if he wants to be a girl someday, he can never do it. And I don't care what they say. I don't care what surgery he has done. He'll never have children. I know you're not allowed to say that, but boys... Cannot have children. It's impossible. And whenever you hear, you know, there was some of these first male have child. No, it was a woman that thinks she's a dude. Okay, that's all there is to it. And you all know that. You all know that. But look at verse twenty-four. It says, "And she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son.' And somehow Rachel knew she would have another son, and she eventually did. She has Benjamin." It would be the, the last one. It says in verse 25, And it came to pass, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away, that I may go unto mine own place, into my country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served thee, and let me go, for thou knowest my service, which I have done thee. And so I think this is a clear indicator we're at the 14-year mark. We're at the 14-year mark, and that would make sense in this timeline with all the children that have been born. And, you know, he served seven years for Rachel. He served seven years for Leah. So we're at the 14-year mark, and Jacob's ready to go. 
And so in verse uh, 27, Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. Laban prospered greatly with Jacob because Jacob had the blessing of Abraham. Remember we saw that a couple chapters ago. That blessing that God gave to Abraham, Isaac had it was given to Isaac, and then Isaac gave it to Jacob before he left. So Jacob, like his father and like his grandfather, everything he touched turned to gold. Why? Because God favored him. God was blessing him greatly. So all of a sudden, Laban, who is probably already a pretty wealthy man, after 14 years of having Jacob as a servant, has found himself now very wealthy. Doing very good. So Jacob comes along and he says, Hey, I'm ready to go now. I served you. These are my wives. We're done. I'm clear of my debt that I owe you. I'm ready to go. And Laban's like, Man, I want you to stay. He said, I know that I've been blessed because of you. I'm in the position I'm at right now because of you. This is the same thing we see throughout the book of Genesis. We end up seeing it with Joseph. Why did Joseph... Why was he so successful in everything he had done? He had that blessing of Abraham on him. We see he becomes a, uh, uh, a servant in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's house just thrived. Joseph was in charge of everything in his house. And Potiphar thrived. Joseph got nothing out of it. But Potiphar did just great. Joseph goes to the prison. And he's successful in the prison. Joseph then ends up becoming... Second man in the kingdom, and Egypt thrives. Egypt becomes a world power during that time. Egypt became as powerful as it did because Joseph was the guy running the show. You know why? Because Joseph had that blessing of Abraham. So that's an interesting thing to watch when it comes to the patriarchs is just the way, I mean, God supernaturally blessed these guys. And it was God's hand being on it. It wasn't just that Jacob was smart. It wasn't just that Joseph was smart, and I don't want to take anything away from these guys, but God was blessing them. God's hand was on everything that they did. So these are, uh, these are just interesting facts that we see. And Laban figured that out. Laban saw his wealth increasing, and he's like, well, this isn't me. The Lord's doing this because of Joseph. There's something special about this guy. He saw the same thing that Abimelech saw with Abraham and with Isaac. He saw the same thing that the Pharaoh saw with Abraham. And and these guys, just like these other guys, saw how God was blessing them, they feared Abraham and Isaac. And so Laban's the same way with Jacob. He's looking at this guy, and it is clear God's hand is all over this man, and he's just like, I don't want to lose you. I want you to stay here because he understands why he's being blessed. So in verse 28, and he said, appoint me thy wages, and I will give it. And I want you to keep working for me. We had a deal before for the two daughters. What do you want now? I'll give it to you. Because if he gets in a deal, any deal with Jacob, it's going to be successful. It's going to be money for Laban. This is going to be good. So he said unto him, thou knowest how I serve thee, and how thy cattle was with me. For it was little which thou hadst before I came, and it is now increased unto a multitude and the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming. And now when shall I provide for mine own house also? So again, 
like we talked about last week, servants make their masters rich. Servants don't make themselves rich. Okay? Whoever you are working for, okay, if you are an employee, you're not making yourself rich, probably. You're making your master rich. So, well, I'm doing pretty good. Well, I guarantee your master's doing better. Okay? That's just the way it is. And I guess, you know, we, and we've all got a boss, I guess, but that's just the way it is. So, in verse 31, and he said, What shall I give thee? And Jacob said, Thou shalt not give me anything. If thou wilt do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep thy flock. I will pass through all thy flock today, removing from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle, and all the brown cattle among the sheep, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and of such shall be my hire. So shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come, when it shall come for my hire before thy face, Every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the sheep, that should be counted stolen with me. And Laban said, Behold, I would it might be according to thy word. And he removed that day the he-goats that were ring-straked and spotted and all the she-goats that were speckled and spotted and every one that had some white in it and all the brown among the sheep and gave them into the hand of his sons. And he set three days' journey betwixt himself and Jacob. And Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. So Jacob now, he's kind of become an independent. He's got three days between him and Laban. But now, he's going to spend the next six years, we'll see, accumulating wealth for himself. Now, he's not just going to be making Laban rich. Now, he has some flocks. So he said, if I'm going to work for you, here's the way it's going to work. All the speckled and spotted animals, those are mine. The rest are yours. But so... You will continue to be blessed. I will continue feeding your flocks. So I'm going, to, I'm going to keep working with you, but these are all mine now. And Laban agreed to this. Okay? Laban, Laban agreed to this. Look what it says in verse 37. Now, I'm not going to pretend I understand everything that we're about to see right here. Some of this goes a little above my head, but I'll, I'll give you my thoughts and my opinions on it. But it says, And Jacob took him rods of green poplar and of the hazel and chestnut tree, and piled white strakes in them, and made the white appear which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had piled before the, uh, piled before the flocks, in the gutters and the watering troughs, when the flocks came to drink, that they should conceive when they came to drink. And the flocks conceived before the rods, and brought forth cattle ring-straked, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob did separate the lambs, and set the faces of the flocks toward the ring-straked, and all the brown in the flock of Laban, and he put his own flocks by themselves and put them not unto Laban's cattle. Now, and it came to pass when sort of the stronger cattle did conceive that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. And the man increased exceedingly and, much, and had much cattle and maidservants and men servants and camels and asses. Now, it appears to me that Jacob somehow I mean, knew a little bit about, you know, genetics and, you know, how to, and breeding and things. And he literally, he makes this deal with Laban where, all right, all the cattle that, you know, looks this way is mine. All that looks this other way is yours. But somehow he figured out how to make those ones that were Laban's give birth to animals and look at the ones that would be his. And then he's even doing it too 
or when the more feeble animals are, you know, giving birth and things, those ones would go with Laban. So he's kind of manipulating everything here to his advantage, big time. He's kind of ripping off Laban. Pretty bad, isn't he? I mean, it sounds kind of Jewish, <laughs> doesn't it? I mean, isn't that the way things typically go in that world? Uh, is this not what they're known for? For just kind of, you know, ripping everybody off, just manipulating everything to their advantage, profiting on every war, you know, selling to both, you know, things, you know, bar, you know, lending out to both sides and everything. It's just, it's amazing how some things just don't change. And I know you look at this, you look at this here and you say, well, but God was blessing him. Okay? How could this be that God is blessing him? And again, remember that Jacob was blessed because of, we saw this before, because of Abraham. Isaac was blessed because of Abraham. These guys were blessed because, he was blessed because of who he was and where he came from. The children of Israel were blessed because of who they were and where they came from. And that remained until the seed came. So even though Jacob is not a really good guy, I mean, is this not what we see? His name means supplanter. And isn't that what he was doing? Isn't that what he did with Esau? I mean, he ripped Esau off with his, when it came to the birthright. He deceived his own father and he stole the blessing. And so now he goes, and you could say he's kind of been taken advantage of by Laban, and he has. Later we're going to see how, you know, he's when he's arguing with Laban, he's talking about, you changed my wages ten times. And this is just my opinion, too. When we go to the next chapter next week, and we're kind of seeing some of the arguments he's having, I don't think Jacob's being 100% truthful in everything. I really don't. So he's kind of manipulating things here, being very dishonest. Now, you could say, too, that, well, this was kind of smart because this did follow the terms of his deal, didn't it? This is very crafty. And that's also something Jews are known for, too. Well, it's like, all right, you know, you're saying I'll rip you off, but you all realize it is in the fine print. Yeah, but I just, I figured it was common sense. You know, I figured we knew, you know, like how was Laban supposed to know that Jacob learned this trick somehow on how to get him to, you know, conceive at a certain time and uh, you know have animals look a certain way. I don't know how I figured all that out. I think they were a little smarter back then than we give them credit for. You know, and, and But somehow he knew it and so he manipulated things and he's basically ripping Laban off. And so another reason too, he's like, well, I don't know why he's getting away with this. Well, because I think Laban was kind of crooked too. And so whenever you get two crooks working together, the smarter one's going to come out on top. And, you know, the reason the Jews do so well in our world is because they're always working with governments that are also corrupt. And so when you get a corrupt government versus a crafty Jew, you know, the crafty Jew is probably going to win most of the time. Now, I know I shouldn't say something like this, but I'm just spitting out straight facts here. We all know this is true, okay? The jokes weren't made up out of thin air. It was just, it's just the way it is. Well, it's always been that way. We have it right here in the Bible. And so I, uh, you know, so Jacob here, you know, I mean, in a deceptive way, he convinces Jake or he convinces Laban to let him feed his cattle. 
Because that sounds great. Because Laban's thinking, hey, if I let you, you know, do this, if Jacob's still working with me, I'm going to continue being blessed. They're going to continue multiplying just like they did when Jacob was watching them before. But he didn't know that now Jacob's going to start manipulating things and giving him the... I mean, this is just, you know, Jacob was doing so good and so blessed. I don't know why he couldn't have just done this honestly. You know, why wasn't it enough? Because it's never enough with these people. You know, how much is enough money for them? One more dollar. It, it, it's just, it's, it's the way it is. It, it came from Jacob. And, you know, and... You know, I, I I don't personally think that Jacob was even was saved at this point. I think he ends up getting saved later. I don't you know I don't know. It, it's 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 hard to say. You know, he might, he could have got saved at Bethel, but I tend to kind of think it might have been later. You know, either way, he wasn't really acting like it during this time. You know, he had a lot of issues. He had a lot of problems. But this ends up being a really bad deal for Laban because of how J, Jacob manipulated things, and so. You know, we're going to see in the next chapter, Jacob, he claims that this is just God blessing him, which is interesting because we see he literally manipulated things in this chapter, didn't he? But we're in the next chapter, we're going to see that he's claiming it's a blessing of God, that he had a vision, and so the Lord just kind of showed him which ones to pick is pretty much what he's saying. I personally think he's lying because, too, what's another thing that we hear today? When you start talking about how rich all the Jews are and how they're running everything in the world, what is it that you know the Zionists typically like to say that they probably got from them? Well, it's just because they're just blessed to God, because they have the blessing of God on, them. you know, and they're always wanting to claim these miracles and claim that these things are of God. And it's like, no, it's because you are crafty, it's because you are deceptive, it's because you've ripped people off, it's because you've lied. But isn't that exactly what Jacob did? I just think it's interesting. How much the physical Jews of today are like Jacob during this time in his life, and and I, I do I think Jacob, you know, he kind of learned. Some, you know, I, I think we see you know some change in him later, but he did. He kind of had a lot of issues, and so basically to sum up this chapter, pretty much what we're seeing in this chapter here is again, it's just kind of laying out the details of the twelve tribes. And where they all came from. We see uh, 11 of the children being born. We see the women that they all came from. And it's just, and God's just kind of showing their history. And it's also showing you know, how Jacob ended up becoming wealthy. Because one thing that we see about Abraham and Isaac that they were noted for was their great wealth that they had. Jacob now has gone off on his own. And Jacob is now accumulating a great deal of wealth for himself. He ends up doing this with Laban for another six years, and when he ends up leaving to go back to his land, he's just got a multitude of animals, he's got a multitude of wealth, and his father Isaac's still alive, that he is going to be inheriting most everything from. And so after Isaac dies, I mean, Jacob, he's a big deal. We see here, too, how he he was multiplying in men servants and maid servants. This is not just the story of Jacob and the, and the four women and the children. This is a multitude. This is, I mean, not, not a multitude of people, but I mean, this is a lot of people with a multitude of animals, with a great deal of wealth. This is a great man. This is showing the starting of this nation of Israel. 
is what we're seeing here. And so often when we look at these stories, it's like we just see a few people. But no, these are, these are big deals. These are prominent figures of that day. This isn't just a story about random people that were alive during that time that God had something special with. No, these people were big deals in their day that really mattered. And so God is, God is, we're seeing too how God is starting to fulfill this promise about just multiplying. Is it because God made that promise to Abraham when he was in his 70s, but it was decades later before Isaac was finally born, wasn't it? And then Isaac, you know, it's years before they're able to have children, but then they have two. That's all they ever had. I mean, it's taken years before it even starts to look like God is going to keep his promise. But, you know what? Fast forward to where we are today. Did God keep his promise? You better believe he did. Exactly as he said he did. So there's a great lesson that we can learn there. But that's Genesis chapter 30. And, uh, and we see Jacob was, he was, he was a supplanter. He was a crafty fella. Uh, but again, because of Abraham, he was blessed by God. And, and I do think he changes later and becomes better. But with that, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us and uh, for these great stories that we have in your word. I pray you'll help us to just learn from these, to follow the principles that we see in them. And uh, Lord, help us to uh, you know, not be uh, like Jacob. Lord, help us to be honest in our dealings with people and uh, help us not take advantage and supplant people like that. I do believe it caused a lot of problems. For Jacob, we see him uh, you know, gaining a lot of enemies where he shouldn't have had enemies in this story, and I pray you'll help us to learn from that so we won't do it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and